Hi, my name is Londe Yusuf. And my name is Reggie Williams. And we're the co-founders of Black Film Space. Black Film Space is a grassroots organization dedicated to enhancing the skill sets of black filmmakers and building a community of creatives. We host events such as screenwriting workshops, panels, mixers, and other events that are designed to support black content creators. In the next episode of the Black Film Space podcast, we interview Para Chardet, a makeup artist. Para has worked on Boomerang, Greenleaf, Nobody's Fool, amongst many other movies and TV shows. We talk with Para about her come up, her workflow process, tips on hiring makeup artists, and much more. And now, on to our interview. All right, Para, thank you so much for joining us on the Black Film Space podcast. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Really excited uh, to have you on our podcast. I think this is such an important topic to talk about, and it's also something I know very, very little about. Um, and I kind of say that as a warning to the audience, if I ask some, some stupid questions, please bear with me. Um, but yeah, really excited to have you on, talk about makeup artistry. There's so many questions. I don't know if we're going to have time to, to cover everything, but, um, we will try to cover, um, you know, what it's like to be a makeup artist as well as how, you know, makeup artists work with directors and, and all that. Um, so can you, can you tell us how you think makeup artistry supports in storytelling for film and television? Okay. Um, well, just to give a little brief of me, I've been doing makeup and television and film since uh, 2012. And I feel, or I think, or I know that makeup artistry actually helps out with telling the story from the person who wrote the script or who came up with the idea. Um, it's very pivotal, I think, in telling the story um, as well. Like if somebody is supposed to be homeless or if somebody is supposed to be attractive or if someone is in a fight or, you know, if you don't add those makeup touches to help tell the story, you really won't believe the story. So um, I would say makeup artistry is very important and a key component when it comes to storytelling. And you said you you started doing makeup uh, for TV in 2012? Well, I started doing it full time in 2012. Uh, makeup in general is something I did when I was in college. Uh, my degree is actually in television and radio broadcasting. And um, it was just something I did when I was in school for modeling groups and dance groups. And then when I graduated, ha-ha, is when the economy fell. <laughs> So that sports reporting job I thought I would have, I didn't have. So I got a, you know, a regular job, which is fine. Nothing wrong with the nine to fivers. Um, but that's what was open and available. And um, I just did makeup on the weekends or when I had off days just to, just to stay around TV and film. I even got into acting classes just so I can be around production. I even was a PA so I can be around productions. I was an extra so I can be around because I love it. That's what I went to school for. That's something I've always enjoyed. And I kind of 
fell into doing makeup for it because makeup was always something that was just fun. I did artwork since a little girl drawing and painting. And um, I started doing it for music videos and then it went from there to independent films. And then someone at an independent film gave me a shot at um, Tyler Perry Studios. And that was in 2012 when I worked my biggest, uh, I guess, outside of the independent world, the actual union or the actual, you know, on TV world uh, was in 2012. A makeup artist by the name of Kedrick Starks gave me a chance. He was the department head at the time. But I met him working an independent film where I wasn't really getting paid, but I wanted a call sheet so I can work towards getting in the union. So so you you did uh, some independent films. What, what are some differences between working on independent films and working on uh, these big budget Hollywood sets? The independent world may not have access to things that uh, bigger budgets may have access to as far as um, the type of locations and food that's provided, money that's given or payment <laughs> that is given is a, a big difference um, sometimes. And then even just certain rules, like the bigger projects, uh, there are certain rules that they have to abide by that the smaller projects may not um, have to go by because they're not as far as like a union or things like that. So uh, what are some of these rules? Well, um, for makeup artistry, you know, within our union, you have to make sure the person eats breakfast. If they don't, they get paid for that, um, not being able to eat. And they call it NDB, which is a um, non-deductible breakfast. And uh, they also, you know, the certain overtimes, how much you're getting paid after this many hours plus this many hours when an independent film may be like, hey, we can give you $50 for the day. Is that okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, or we can't pay you, but we can give you credit. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And there's, my thing is, I appreciated working on independent films first because it kind it taught me set etiquette it taught me reading a script. It taught me reading and understanding a call sheet. It taught me, you know, all of those different things before going straight into the bigger atmosphere it can seem overwhelming if that's your first thing and you don't even know what action and cut means. Or you're not, you're not even knowing where it's safe to stand versus you're in the shot, you know, or to pay attention to the monitor or what last looks mean. You know, last looks mean, hey, that's makeup, hair, and costume. We get to go in and fix up the actors and do our thing. Because um, I've, I've been on these bigger projects where people is their first opportunity, their first time ever being on set is, a, is on those bigger projects. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. If your first shot is on a big project, kudos and like I'm happy for you because that a, a lot of people don't get that opportunity but I've seen it where they don't know anything and I'll kind of like take them under my wing and kind of show them but working on the smaller projects first 
kind of helped groom me to be a little prepared or semi-prepared for the bigger projects. What do you think a fair pay is for a makeup artist on an independent project? Hmm. Sometimes I feel like that is case by case. It's kind of hard to answer that question because there's times even now, um, you know, if I know the producer or I know the creator or, you know, and they're like, hey, Para, you know, we really need somebody. We understand if you can't do it but our budget X, Y, and Z. And I try to like kind of negotiate, but you can kind of get a feel for people who are trying to take advantage or people who really, everybody is kind of in it together to help with this project. And I, and then I just kind of decipher from there, you know? So it's really, for me, it's kind of case by case. But there's not like a generic or like a general rule of thumb No, because there's not even a generic when it comes to the union, because there's different contracts. Mm -hmm. Oh, so the union doesn't even have a minimum pay. Um, I guess they kind of came up with something depending on the contract. You know, they won't have you working for free in the union. No. Um, but it ranges from. I think the lowest on a union project I got paid was 25 an hour. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten paid also maybe up to 58, 59 Mm -hmm. an hour. Mm -hmm. So it can be, it's been anywhere between that range. But um, I think there was also one project I worked on where it was just a day rate of like 125 for 12 hours, which is, you know, not, uh, it's not good. <laughs> you don't have to sugarcoat it. It's trash. Wait, this is a Hollywood film? No, 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 no. This oh, was a project that was like on a local network. So okay. it wasn't that's still, huge, that's still huge, trash. It wasn't like a huge, huge, huge project. Yeah. You know, it wasn't nothing in theaters or on a major network. But uh, yeah, when it comes to union projects, it just depends on the contract and um, depending on what position you are, sometimes you can negotiate your rate. If you're a personal, personal means you are specifically working on one person, that person brought you in as their artist and you only work for them. You only do their makeup. Um, or sometimes department heads, which is meaning um, people who are over that entire department Sometimes they're able to negotiate their rates as well. But it's just very hard for me to give a one specific amount um, because even, like I said, in the union, the rates vary depending on the contract. And you and, and people can decide for themselves if that's something that they want to do or not. What do you look for in a script? Okay. So... When breaking down the script, you, you're actually reading the script and taking notes. And I take me specifically, when I see a new character, I highlight it or write that person down. If it says their age, their ethnicity, if it explains what type of person they are, you know, I pay attention to all that because that helps with coming up with the look for the character. And um, if there's like a fight scene, 
um, maybe what that person has been through and going through. Like if they're, they just worked a 15 hour shift as um, a mom of two at a diner and she's a single mom and she's getting off in the middle of the night, when she gets off in the middle of the night, she's not going to look glamorous. You know, she's going to look tired and makeup help with making that person look tired because we may shoot it at 10 o'clock in the morning and she's super refreshed, you know? <laughs> so, um, or if it's a basketball game, football game, they need to be sweaty. If it's hot outside, if it's cold outside, like all of that plays, if the person cries, um, it's, we, you look for all of those different type of things when it comes to makeup, because I even had a character who he was, he's a teenager and is supposed to be in Miami, but we shot it in Orlando, still hot, right? It's supposed to be him living in the projects. They don't have any AC, but the boy doesn't sweat naturally. He doesn't sweat in his face. He sweats all on his body, but his face does not produce any sweat. So I had to keep running in and making him look sweaty throughout the day, you know, each time we film, because that's what it called for. That's what the director also wanted. And that's another thing too, when breaking down the script to take notes on, you may have an idea of what something want, but it don't just depends on your idea. You, it goes by what the creator and the writer sees and what the director sees. And so um, when you have meetings with them, if you have a question about something or how they may want something to look, then you can address it also in those meetings. So how do you, how do you make someone look sweaty? What do you use? Well, people use um, different things. Some people use just water because sometimes the actor may say, I don't want anything on me but water. They may be highly allergic to things and they don't want to test out if what you have may break them out or not. So they may want just water. Um, or rose water is nice as well to you. Something that actually stays and what I used on the, the boy for uh, the teenager for that show was a uh, baby oil gel, the green one. And I just stipple it on, which is a makeup term for me to say stipple, but uh, put it on. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, we want you to use makeup terms. We want to learn more. Please inform us. Yeah. You know, um, and little like dots on his forehead or make it go around his neck and up. You know, some people sweat behind their ears just so it can look more believable that it was it's his. And I think it turned out well on camera. So, yeah. So you mentioned uh, working with directors. Can you talk more about that, the prep process in working with directors? Like what looks you're going to choose? Well, yeah, that, like I said, that all goes down into like breaking down the script. And even like when breaking down the script, when there's a new day, you take a note of that. And when it's later in the day, or if they're going to a different event in that same day, you take a note of that. And so it's like asking the director, like, hey, are they still having on what they had on before at this next event? Or are they changing for this? Um, 
and it's the next day, you know, is you always, you may be able to come up with another look for the next day or some characters would have the same look all the time. That's their look. And that's still something to discuss with the director. And sometimes the creator is in there, but if not, you know, the director, as far as the development of each character, it can even be the continuity. So continuity means, um, I'm trying not to talk too much film talk. I know this is black film space, but we may have some listeners who may not know what continuity yeah, is. Go for it, go for it. Um, but continuity is basically like keeping up with what's happening because you don't shoot in order. So you may shoot the beginning of this same day today, but finish or continue shooting it next week and then jump back to before that happened the next day. And, you know, so you don't shoot in order. So you have to keep up with the looks and how making sure it stays right. Like you may look at a, watch a movie or a TV film and the glass is full, but then they cut somewhere else and then they come back and the glass is empty. Mm -hmm. And then they cut somewhere else and then the glass is back full. Mm -hmm. And you didn't see a waitress come <laughs> and refill their glass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, that's continuity. That's keeping up with how much water was in this glass to keep the scene looking like we shot it all at once. And um, so when it comes to the continuity, that's things to discuss also with the director. So you can keep up with each look for each day or for each time of the day, depending on the extent. Even the healing of a bruise. You know, sometimes as makeup artists, or a lot of times as makeup artists, we want to keep the authenticity of, um, it's the next day, this bruise won't be gone. Or the next day, this bruise won't be this color. But at the same time, we work for the director and the creators and the writers. If the next day they want the bruise to magically be gone, it's their call. But it's our call to bring it up to them. Well, that's something else that, you know, you may bring up in a meeting. Hey, this bruise from this fight, how long do you want this bruise to last in the storyline? So when, when you're working on these studio Hollywood type of projects um, with, with experienced directors, how much do they know about makeup artistry? I think it varies by director, you know, um, a lot of them will just trust you in your judgment um, because that's why they hire us. You know, they may say, Hey, you know, I don't want it to last too long, but the coloration and how you make that, by day three, it should be gone, but I'll put it in your hands to, you know, do it. But then there's another project I worked on where they wanted to see a test of each, how each day each bruise will look. And I had to have a test model come in we around the same complexion as the actor, and they had to approve each bruise. And that's another thing with continuity. If this, if we're shooting this day, this bruise, and we come back and shoot this same bruise two days from now, I have to try my best to make it look exactly the same of how it looked two days ago. And, um, but as far as the, di the di each director's makeup artistry, I will tell you this, the, the, from my experience, women directors pay attention to makeup more 
you know, but, and especially women who, who are also actors, but also direct, I think they get the full, full, full picture and they really pay attention to makeup when, and not to say that guys don't, but a lot of times guys is like, Hey, I trust you. You got it. You know, (laughs) not to say women don't trust us. It's just that we look at those things naturally. We pay attention to it naturally more. Yeah. I I had uh, directed a short film Mm -hmm. a few years ago and the makeup artist was asking me all these questions. I I mean, I didn't, I didn't know shit. Like I didn't know anything. I was just like, what type of questions? I I can't remember. Um, I guess like colors, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I didn't know what, to choose. And it was, it was, uh, like my films, like, a you know, it's a romantic comedy. It's not, there's no fighting. It's just kind of like quote unquote natural looks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious to know, like how you and the director work together to choose less. Cause you've been talking about like bruises and sweating, but just kind of like those, those natural looks, like how do you choose what colors you're going to wear? Like, how does that process work? Well, I think it all helps with costumes and makeup too. Like you figure out the story, say if she's just going to dinner or she's going to work. Um, Well, what is she wearing? Okay, well, I feel that this shadow and this lip will pair well with that. And then some directors, the actress come on set and they're like, okay, let's roll. And then you have other directors or creators of the show who is like, I want a makeup test of every single person, send a picture, or they come in physically to look at the actress or actor and approve it, Um, their makeup. They may say, oh, I like it, but I think the lip is too much. And then you adjust. And then I've had directors who, they they don't care for a test or anything like that either. You know, you you and they're like y'all ready let's roll (laughs) so it can go either way and either way is fine it's a part of the job how long should it take for a makeup artist to apply makeup on an actor I think that depends too is is some it could be easy for somebody to say oh it shouldn't take more than an hour but that person you don't know their face, you know, their condition when they're, if you don't get a test, there's plenty of times somebody sits in your chair and you have to figure it out. And they may want someone who looks like they have on no makeup, but this person has so many red spots all over their face. So you have to color correct. You have to work with their skin. If it has some indentions or, you know, whatever. So it could, somebody's face could take 15 minutes and another person could take an hour and 30 minutes. Cause I also have to cover her tattoos, you know, that's on the back of her neck and she has an updo and a spaghetti strap shirt. So it's going to show, <laughs> you know, so it, I say it varies. And then some people nails, makeup is nails. Nails is makeup territory. So I might have to paint her toes and her nails too. So that has to be factored in when it comes to doing makeup also. And there's a time I had to tan someone's entire body. Damn. So that has to be taken into the time as well. 
I had to do all of her legs, her chest, her back, her arms, everything. And she had to be like tan tanned. Like it wasn't just a little buff and you can go. And it had to look natural. Like this is her natural tan. So that's why I said it's, it varies. And even when it, it can vary for men too, because sometimes we're laying facial hair and this guy is clean shaven, but he's supposed to look like he has on a full beard. And you have to lay that hair and make it look like it's growing out of his face. And that takes time. Wait, that, that wouldn't fall under the hair department? No, that's on the face. So it's anything from the hairline down is makeup. Wow, seems like a, that seems like a pretty big task. Yeah, even like say the character has to have a full sleeve tattoo and he has no tattoos on. Or he has a full sleeve, but his arm needs to look like he doesn't have tattoo. That's still makeup and that takes time. So, so go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. It, I was just going to say, so it really does vary, varies depending on the character. Got you. So I, I feel like... um Sometimes it feels like from a director's and producer's point of view, it feels like the makeup artists are holding up the set. So I'm wondering um, how producers and makeup artists and directors or, you know, how we can collaborate on time management. So expectations are being met. Yeah. And there's times when, you know, they may push the call time up so you can have more time to work on that after before, but then that has to get approved by the UPM. And for those who don't know who the UPM is, that's the money person, you know, um, to see if it's okay for you to come in earlier. So everybody can get done by the time it's time to start rolling. And I know one thing is I hate to feel like anyone is waiting on me. So, but, you know, each depending, and then if you explain to them, hey, he has a full arm tattoo and it has to look like he doesn't have a tattoo. And those are questions you ask to talk to the directors about because tattoos are tricky because you have to get them approved. So if these tattoos are not approved, they have to be covered legally because you don't want that tattoo artist to sue the production. And then they're going to look at, well, who was over making sure that it got approved. Makeup didn't tell us that this didn't get approved, you know, or didn't bring it up to us. So it's makeup's responsibility to say something like, hey, they have a tattoo. Do you, would you like for it to show or not? And if not, we need to get these approved if you do want them to show. And if not, then we need the time to be able to cover them. And then sometimes they may say we don't have the time, but then they may have to pay for the extra manpower for somebody to cover more than one person to help with covering this tattoo. You know, so so it can get out in enough time. And there's times it's not just one person we're working on. There's 10 people that got all need to be done at the same time for this first shot. And you have four makeup artists in the trailer, maybe. It's a lot of people. They have to go through makeup, hair, and costumes, yeah. not just us. Yeah. And, you know, they, and then another thing is 
most of the time you don't have the actor's undivided attention. They're talking with their the other actors or they may be on the phone or they may be rehearsing their lines to one another. And so, you know, you're battling with them looking to the left when you need them to be looking straight, but you're still trying to work it out anyway um, because they need to rehearse and you get that, you know? So, and then like sometimes we're therapists or a friend, Mm -hmm. you never, you know, people have personal lives as well. And they come in that trailer sometimes or the makeup room and they're, you know, discussing it with us. But sometimes they might need a moment to step away, depending on whoever may have just lost their mom or their dad. And they're still here at work trying to hold it together. You know, and that plays a factor in time. Of getting them out of there. But I think a lot of times if we just communicate and try to understand at the same time, I get it. Time is money. That's something that was a bonus question when I was in school. Time is money. Money is time. Time is money. But you know, we're all people at the same time too. Now, if you're just being a jerk and holding up coming in, but then again, if there is an actor who's like, I'm going to come when I come, then communicate that, Hey, such and such hasn't made it into me yet. And their time to come was supposed to be nine and it's nine 15. And I'm supposed to get an hour with them. Now it's 45 minutes. When you're on set, who do you, who do you communicate with the most? I guess it depends on my position when I'm on set. If I'm a key, I, do, I communicate with the department head the most because that's how the flow should be. If I'm department heading, um, I may communicate with one of the ADs the most. Uh, if in knowing an AD means assistant director um, the most as far as what's coming up next, if anything changed in the schedule. Um, and also, you know, just in general, communicate with the PAs, which are the production assistants a lot because makeup artists, we don't get walkies. So we don't know what's going on unless we ask or somebody come and tell us. And most of the time we're asking, um, especially if say if they have us holding somewhere where we can't hear that, you know, is cut or just hear the talk of what's going on. Sometimes we may have to duck off somewhere depending on the size of the um, room and how much space is or how many people is allowed it in there, or even if it's a closed set or not. Um, kudos to you know, amazing production assistants uh, or PAs. I've met some great ones who on their own kept us in the loop, like, hey, we're moving on to this scene now. Hey, they they decided to jump down to this scene and then we're going to come back from this scene to this scene next, you know, because we don't get to hear those things um, because we don't have a walkie. Do you want a walkie? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, I worked on a project where I I department headed the project and they gave me a walkie and no, it was that I liked the walkie. I turned it on in the trailer in the mornings so I can hear about how much more time I had. If they're like, oh, we're almost there. We're 10 minutes away. I'm like, I liked that part. And I liked the walkie to be able to call my own transpo. And I didn't have to find somebody to call me a van. 
um, so I can get a ride, you know. Uh, but most of the chatter that's on the walkies, over 90%, I would say, is about stuff that don't pertain to the makeup team. So, and if they want something for us to know, it's kind of been that thing like, hey, go tell makeup, this is how far away we are, or we need this person now that's been moved up. Like they have someone that just come and tell us because most of the chatter that's on the walkies, it's not us. And it's heavy. We already got a lot of stuff to carry. <laughs> Those walkies are heavy. <laughs> so my preference is I'm good. Mm -mm. I, and I prefer a group chat. I mean, a group text, you know, I'm cool with that. You know, hey, moving on in a group text. Perfect. Let's go. Some people prefer the, the PA come to them. I'm fine with the PA texting me. We're moving on or moving on to this thing. That is good with me. What's your relationship like with the hair department? Uh, well, the hair department, we work kind of hand in hand. It's so funny. It's like we're two different departments but we're both in the same trailer or in the same makeup room. So you have to have a good rapport with them as well. It's, it's weird. It's like we're two different teams, but we're teammates at the same time. And a lot of times you discuss with the hair department to help with coming up with your looks. It's like, hey, for this day, this is what she's wearing. What do you plan to do? You know, and then it kind of help you with developing the look as well. Or like I said, I have a, I had an actress that had a tattoo on the back of her neck. So I would like to know, is that something I'm going to, is her hair going to be down or are you going to have it up? So I'll know I need to cover it. Sometimes I will still cover it anyway, just to cover myself. Cause there's been times like you learned a lot while you're on set. <laughs> there's been times when they're like, Hey, we're going to, it's not even on the schedule. They decide they want to shoot something that's probably two days from now that we're supposed to shoot and her hair is, is up. So, and it's like, oh, now I need to cover this tattoo. But if I went on ahead and covered it just to play it safe, then I wouldn't have to worry about that. When y'all are having these conversations, this is, this is pre-production. Are, are you, is the director or producer bringing everybody together? Or is it you just kind of having your own side conversation figuring out? It kind of depends on the project. Mm -hmm. It depends on, like before, it depends on if the directors are like, hey, y'all figure it, you know, I'm cool with y'all come up with. Or if it's, hey, I need to see what you plan to do every time. Take a picture, send it to me, let me approve it or bring them on set. Let me see what they look like as the full package, you know, and I'll give my stamp of approval. So it just all depends. Uh, and still, so that may be pre or that may be, you know, sometimes day players, they be like, hey, do do what y'all do when they come in. And this is our first time seeing them the day they're going to shoot. And you may discuss with hair, hey, what do you plan to do? Or they may come to us, what do you plan to do? And we do work together a lot because I may say, hey, can I do her makeup first before you put on her wig? Because that wig is going to go on top of her hairline and you want it to blend seamlessly. Or they may say, hey, can I braid her down first? And then you take her for makeup. And then by the time you're done with makeup, all I gotta do is pop the wig on. Or I may say, yeah. And while you're popping that wig on, do you mind if I also paint her nails while you're doing her hair? And they may say, yeah. Or they may say, um, can you try to do that during your time? 
it, it goes, it depends on the person. What makes a good makeup artist? And, and particularly from the standpoint of a producer uh, looking to hire a makeup artist, like how does one tell what, you know, whether or not they're fit for the job? Um, okay, for television and film, a lot of times we are booked based on referrals and they've worked with that person before and they like them. So if this person refers that person, they must be, you know, pretty legit. There's also been times I've worked with people who somebody else might not necessarily have liked, but they gave me a chance. And then they said, I'm glad I gave you a chance because you're nothing like the other person you've worked for. Um, but for something for a producer, I, I try to tell people when it comes to TV and film, it is your artistry, but that's not all it is about. You, they need to be, especially if you're going to have a leadership position, like a key or a department head or even a third. Um, and to explain that, the department head is over the department. The key is like the, the right-hand man of the department head, or in other words, like a president and vice president or the coach and the captain, or the sports term, um, is how I like to explain it. And those individuals have to be well organized because it's a lot that goes into it. It's not just doing makeup. It's having to do makeup, read the script, break down the script, take notes, purchase items, keep up with the budget, hire crew, Make sure crew knows what time to come, what time to break for lunch. Make sure they know what time they should be wrapping. Make sure their paperwork is in. Make sure their paperwork is correct. Make sure their paperwork is turned in. Make sure their time cards. It's like, and when I explain this to people, they're like kind of looking at me with this blank stare. <laughs> and then not only keep up with continuity, keep up with the pictures for each scene and write what products were used and what scene number was there. Like it's a lot that goes into being a makeup artist for television and film. And on top of doing all that, you also show up and do makeup and, and plan or schedule makeup tests. And like, you know, making sure everybody ate their breakfast and making sure you break, you know, it's just, it's a lot to think about. So you have to be a, a good makeup artist will be well organized. Now, if you're a department head and you know that's not your strength, then department heads will hire a key that is well, well, well organized to help them with that. You know, um, a people person, like I said, you're not just showing up and doing makeup. You're interacting not just with the actors, but you're interacting with the, the other crew members. You're interacting with the directors and the producers and the writers and the creators and the extras and the PAs and the catering. And you're, you want, when you're on set for 12 plus hours a day, you want it to be a good atmosphere. But you also want that person to be like well-rounded, business-oriented, well-organized, and can do makeup <laughs> on top of all of that. Um, I think those are good things for directors and um, producers to look for, not just the artistry, 
but also everything else that comes with the artistry. Yeah, the per- the professionalism. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But what what about the artistry? Like, I don't I don't know anything about makeup artistry. If I'm an independent filmmaker, I don't I don't have anybody to refer to, mm-hmm. and I just put something on the internet and I get a bunch of responses. Like, how do I know who's a good makeup artist and who's not? Just based off of the images that they've sent you. Yeah. Or their just resume, the, the images. Just the images. If you don't know for yourself, then it may be good for that person to ask someone else who may be better at looking. Because, you know, I get what you're saying. If if I look at, or if I'm examining something that I have no clue about, if somebody is giving me a blueprint of a building, for architecture and I get all these blueprints and whose blueprint is the best. I'm looking at these blueprints. It's like looking at a foreign language. I wouldn't know, (laughs) but I'm like, oh, that looks nice, I guess, you know, but um, maybe just the assistance of another eye, uh, you know, to help out when it comes to that. But um, I think most of the time guys can, or if, or it could be female, because I know females who don't have, who don't really know anything about makeup either. But you can kind of tell if something looks off. How like, do you, how do you tell? Like if your if their foundation on their face is a completely different color than the rest of their body, that that's off. Or um, if the makeup looks too strong. You know, it looked like it's too much on. But if the character calls for that, you know, it depends on the script. But if you want something like, okay, it looks nice, it looks clean, let's go with it, you know, that could be a way to just go off of it. But things like the the foundation on the face not really matching, that's a big one. It don't match the rest of the body. Like completely is a, a big red flag. Got you, got you. What and what about your your skill set? Like, I'm sure you've become, I'm sure you've improved over the years. Oh yes. So you when you first started first off, started. Whatever, <laughs> like what 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 like what mistakes were you making, or what have you learned over the you know last ten years or so? Um, you know, as time goes on, different things. Uh, like at one point in time, the very 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 strong dark strong eyebrows was a thing so I'm not going to say I never did it (laughs) but I have evolved um, from that Uh, what else is something just everything like when I first started out just looking at blending to how blending is now but you have to start somewhere you have to practice and everybody gets better you know with time if they, you know, put forth an effort towards it being better. Mm-hmm. And when, when you watch like movies and TV shows, do you notice the makeup? Cause I never noticed the makeup. I never noticed the makeup, but I noticed the cinematography and I notice shot selections and stuff like that. So what do you notice like bad makeup or really good makeup? What, like, what do you see? I, I notice when I watch TV or film, like I like what they did with her makeup. It goes with her her character or her personality or I may be like oh they shouldn't have did that like whatever it may be um 
And it's to the point to where my dad even may be like, oh, did you watch such and such? Did you see her eyebrows? Like, <laughs> I even got my daddy looking now when he used to never look before. So, uh, but that is something that I do look at. I try not to do it too too much, but I think a lot of people in that work in our industry, especially in your field, you pay attention to it more than than others. And, and what, what what are some of the differences between working on a photo shoot and working on a on a video shoot or or or, or movies, I should say? Uh, sometimes when it comes to photo shoots, because if it's going to be flash photography, it picks up differently than in TV and film. So depending, you might have to add a little more so they don't get washed out with the flash. Um, or do a little more of the highlighting and contouring to shape their face so it doesn't come off being flat with the flash. And then when it comes to film, depending, you know, it picks up everything nowadays, especially. So you want to try to make it look as nice as possible, but sometimes, you know, you can just do the, the best you can do with the canvas that you have, you know? But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when I hired, a makeup artist for my short film i'm pretty sure she didn't have a lot of film experience um let's say somebody's browsing you know looking for makeup artists and they notice this person mostly has experience in weddings and photo shoots like um is is that a different skill set or is it just a matter like what what is the difference between those two in, in, in regards to like hiring, like, is that a risk hiring somebody who hasn't worked on a, on a film set before? Not necessarily. I think it just, I know I keep saying it depends, but sometimes it just does. Like you may have somebody who does weddings. Sometimes weddings and photo shoots is a little of a heavier hand than with TV and film. But then there's times, depending on the character, you might need that hand in a film the best i can say because there there are even artists out there who has done it before who's turned in work that's not theirs and a lot of times there isn't like an opportunity for the directors and producers to be like hey in this interview i would like for you to do someone's makeup and i would like to see how it comes out a lot of times the hiring is based off of photos resume and referrals um, so that is tricky, but I don't want to count somebody out by saying because they do photography and, and, and weddings, then they're not capable of doing film because I've known a lot of artists who come from the makeup, from the photography world and the, uh, wedding world, um, and has done great and do great in TV and film but it may be on an individual type of basis. So I'm, I'm, I feel like you're asking me this for future for when you're hiring for your next big project. And I feel like my answers is not helping you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm digging right now. I'm digging. I see, no, this is I good. See that, but it's, it's, 
it's difficult to um, answer that question because everybody is different. Makeup is an artistry. There's people, for me it is, but there's people that go to school, you know, for makeup and you can see if they've had any kind of training. And then there's people who do get hired and they're like, hey, we're not, you're not what we thought you would be. And they've had to get someone else, you know? Um, yeah, I guess I'm asking questions so people can avoid that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I, I get that completely, but some is, hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's a question for maybe an, an I don't want to say for a producer or a director that, you know, hires has done this for a while and what is their niche and how they, how their eye into looking for the right artists, you know, but they, I think if there's a way to say, do you have any references or people that I can contact? Cause most of the, the, when I've interviewed, they've asked that question, either I've been referred from somebody that they've worked with and who's also worked with me. So they just go on the strength of that person or they ask if I've never met them before and I've submitted a resume and they don't, they ask for references. Um, and I try to give them people who are a producer that I've worked for or a makeup artist that's, you know, a department that department head more than me um, or even another, an AD. So because they, they can attest to not only my artistry, but also how I, my rapport on set is. You know, um, that I would advise for anybody who's looking for an artist and all they have is the pictures to go off of, but they're still not 100% sure that ask the person for some references. Do they have any, you know, pictures of the monitor from when they were filming as well, just so you can kind of see how was, how did the look look, you know, when you worked on these projects on set? or even from the, some continuity pictures. I send continuity pictures sometimes so they can just see not just a professional image that was edited, but a raw image also of how this person looked. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to artistry, how much does a, a makeup artist need to know about color and chemistry like how important is that when developing uh your skill set is some people are self-taught i'm one of those people <laughs> i didn't go to school for it but i've always thought about going to school not a full school but just to stay abrupt and i've done classes like the union also they have classes here and there for knowing how to do certain things when it comes to tv and film like applying uh, the bruises or the scratches or the bullet wounds or, you know, simple prosthetics pieces and how to apply tattoos and some stuff you learn on the job and some stuff you can take a class for. And I've, and there's people who's done the full course class and that's fine. And they teach color theory and they teach about different skin types. And it's important to learn about those things. I even like to ask, hey, are you allergic to latex? Because then there's products that may have it in it and you don't want that person to break out. Or there may be um, a sponge you use or gloves you put on that have latex. Like, you know, it's, it's, 
it's all making sure that you care for your client. You ask, hey, do you have oily skin or do you typically have dry skin? They're sitting in your chair for the first time. You don't know how their face will react or do as time passes. Because a lot of times we do their makeup early in the morning and that makeup lasts all the way till the nighttime. And so you only get to do touch-ups. And maybe at lunch, you could try to fix up something as quick as possible um, before we're back in from lunch. And I mean, it's a task to make somebody look fresh faced all day. And if it's cold, if it's hot, all of that plays a factor as well into how long the makeup stays. They're eating, they're napping, (laughs) you know, like all of that plays a factor. So, but learning the color theory or learning about color, different undertones, um, is important to, to, to learn and gain knowledge of. So what kind of brands do you purchase for work? Like, are you purchasing the same type of brands that you might find at a Sephora or is it a special type of brand just for make uh, just for, uh, film and TV? Um, for me personally, because each artist is different, I purchase makeup that you can probably find at Walmart and Target all the way to makeup that is only available at a professional makeup store, um, or at Sephora, um, or at Ulta or, you know, it, it ranges, you know, that's why also when I say when it comes to the different skin types or how much coverage is needed, you know, it's a lot that goes in thousands of dollars that goes into our kit from the type of brushes. You can use inexpensive brushes to the most expensive brushes. Um, and you can use CoverGirl and it works amazing. And then you can use, you know, Danessa Myricks or AJ Crimson or, and those, you know, well, no, yeah, and those are not at Ulta. I purchased it online through those specific those specific um, artist sites, um, or you can purchase it through a professional makeup artist um, site. Or um, in Atlanta, there's a local professional makeup store that may carry that carries Danessa's uh, makeup. So, and then there's some Mac products I have, and then there's some you know, uh, NARS and there's, it it goes, I have a different, uh, array of different brands that I use and it varies on what I decide to pick up for someone to use. Can you name, uh, one of these stores, one of these professional makeup stores? I'm, I'm not familiar with them. Okay. Um, in Atlanta, there's a store called um, Nor Costco and the engineer guys, they both sell um, professional uh, brand makeup and uh, offer like a discount for makeup artists, professional makeup artists. And a lot of other brands do too, like Mac also provides it. But online, I like to also order from Friends, F-E-R-E-N-D-S. And also from, uh, no, Friends is the main one. Namies, Namies is another one. They're both based in California. Uh, and a lot of times with them, plus with Nor Costco and the engineer guys, 
I think that the engineer guys just renamed, I think they switched their name to something else recently, but I, I think most of us who's known for them to be the engineer guys for the longest, we still call them that. Um, but a lot of uh, the, the shows will create an account with them. So you could just order, you know, through them and they build a production. Um, and then sometimes production gives us a budget and, you know, you go in and you spend and keep up with the receipts and do all of that and turn that in as well. But uh, those are some of the ones that um, I like to order from. AJ Crimson is my, my top fave. Thank you so much for joining us. How can we follow you on the internet? Um, well, I want to say thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it's been a pleasure. I hope that I answered your questions and gave some insight, not just to you, but to the listeners um, as well. Um, I can be reached on Instagram. It's Para Charday, I-T-S-P-A-R-A-S-H-A-R-D-E. Um, from there, there's a website to click on for people to be able to view, um, any images and, uh, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Para. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the black film space podcast. If you're interested in being part of our community and attending events, please visit us at blackfilmspace.com. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Film Space. Subscribe to our email list and podcast. All right, see you soon. <laughs>